Welcome everybody to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the show where we get together and we talk about the movies that we liked and we loved and we want to recommend from the last month. The difference between our show and every other movie show that's on the internet is that we're high school friends and we'd be talking about movies even if no one was listening. This is our big end of the year episode. We're going to be doing our top 10 movies of 2019. We're going to be counting down one at a time, going over each of the movies, and we're psyched about it. This is always our funnest episode. We do this every year. I'm psyched. I know you guys are psyched. Let's introduce who's here. We've got Sean Bowlby in Seattle, Washington. Hey. We've got Derek Deal in Everett. Oh, hi. And Brandon Bowlby in New York City. How's it going, guys? Dude, it's going hey. great. It's going great. So we're doing our top 10 today. I'm really excited about it. I already said that. But real quick before we jump in, I kind of want to do a roundtable real quick and talk about basically how many movies we've seen from 2019 and uh, if you have any big regrets, like if there's any movies that you missed that you want to just throw out there that you missed that might pop up on other lists or whatever. So um, Brandon, do you want to go first? How many movies have you seen uh, from, from 2019? I saw 87 films, uh, kind of a weak year for me, especially compared to last year. Um, but I think the quality was pretty high. I had like 30 of the films. I gave like over four stars. Um, so I enjoyed a lot of them and I don't have any like major misses. So I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about my list. There's that film that won like, um, Sundance early in the year that like People didn't really end up talking about it um, when it came out this Christmas. Forget the name. The report. I don't know. If that's um, the that was Adam Drive. Was that the Adam, Adam Driver, Driver one? Amazon maybe. Clearly, it wasn't that important because we have no idea what we were talking about. So, Sean, <laughs> how many movies do you see? I saw fifty-one movies, or sorry, uh, forty-one movies, <clears throat> which is down 41. from last year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my, uh, my biggest regrets are a few foreign films, uh, weathering with you, um, which is an anime film, um, from the, the director of, uh, your name, which I really, really, really loved, uh, the souvenir as well. Um, I also didn't see honey boy. Um, and those are, those are, I guess my, my biggest regrets, <clears throat> Um, Derek, how about you, bud? I saw 53 movies this year. For um, the first time, I'm yeah, I'm not mm. the lowest. The loser. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the loser. Uh, oh, yeah, my biggest regrets. Um, I mean, there's a handful of little movies that I missed throughout the year, but the, the ones I really wish I got to see. Uh, at least before I probably still see some of them before the awards and stuff like that. But Little Women, still haven't gotten out mm. to go see that. Um, Ford versus Ferrari, and uh, God, there was one more Oscar movie that I haven't seen. I can't remember what it was, but those were really the big ones I was really looking forward to see, and just haven't made it out to watch them yet. Totally. Um, so I saw 108 movies this year. So, um, Jesus. I accomplished my, I accomplished my goal and, and, and beat Brandon. Just kidding. (laughs) 
That wasn't my goal. My goal actually was to get to 100. That's like my goal every year is to get to 100. So um, I got to 100 and then I saw eight more and uh, I'm pretty happy about it. I feel like the biggest movie I'm missing is Little Women. I'm still hoping I'll see it before the Academy Awards. And there were a few other foreign films that um, I missed out on. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I got to 108 and January's just been kind of crazy. I'm actually, for next year, one of my goals is to watch less movies. So hmm. uh, I'm already working it's on gonna that. It's going to be tough. Well, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I told you guys, but I'm going back to school. So um, I got to... What? Usually it's my normal thing to watch a movie every single night. And instead of watching a movie every single night, I have to study for two hours. So um, (laughs) yeah, it kind of just makes sense that I'll watch less movies. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good stuff. Jojo Rabbit was the other one I haven't... I missed... Mm. Oh, Derek. Derek. It hurts the heart. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so uh, I think we should just jump right into it, guys. Real quick, I'm going to explain the rules. We're kind of taking the rules from the top 10 show um, hosted by John Roca and Matt Nost. You can find their podcast on wherever you can find podcasts called The Top 10 Show. Their whole thing is that they do top 10 lists. And they start at the bottom, they start at 10, and their whole gimmick, not whole gimmick, but what they added to the top 10 thing is if you have a movie and someone else is doing the movie later, you punt it. So if I have a movie, if I say number 10 is this, and someone else has it way up higher on their list, they say punt, and then we don't talk about that movie until it circles back around to where the, where we're at with them. So... Uh, that's the top 10 show. I feel like we need to give credit to them because uh, it's their concept. But and it's um, a great concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I feel like there's a bunch of podcasts that do top 10 shows, and it's always like, come on, guys, talk about talk about the movies all at once. You know, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's frustrating that the person who had it like a number 10 gets to talk about it longer. And Right. The guy who has it like number one should get to talk about the most. As it goes along, but mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I'm I'm excited. I just want to hear what you guys have on your list. I think we should just jump right into it. Uh, Brandon, you're going to go first. All right, pretty excited about this one. Um, snuck up on me, uh, but my number ten is David Robert Mitchell's Under the Silver Lake. Ooh, Ooh yeah. nice pick, Brandon. Nice pick. It's, so it's on there. That's so awesome. Good. Cool. Um, this was way earlier on in the year, and when I was putting together my like list of remembering movies that stood out, uh, when I finally got to this one, I was just like, "Holy fuck!" I had a good time watching this movie. Um, this is his like follow up to It Follows, and it is so ambitious and such a great ride from beginning to end. I don't think this movie is for everybody at all. Got very mixed uh, reviews. It's like kind of a love it or hate it, but I definitely came out loving it at the end. Super creative choice, Brandon. Like, that's such yeah. a creative movie. Uh, super weird. I agree it's not for everyone, but I'm glad you put it on your list. Yeah, you, you guys talk about that movie. That that got me to watch it, and I fucking love it. It's so good. So, yeah, that's, good that's another one I haven't seen yet. Cool. So, uh, Brandon, that's your number 10. No punts. So, uh, mm. okay. So... The other thing I should say before we uh, get too deep in this is that we are keeping track of our point system for these movies. So at the end of the show, we're going to culminate and whichever movie got the most points, it's a pretty basic point scale. Uh, number, the 
number 10 movie gets one point, number one movie gets 10 points. You could fill in the rest, and then if it appears on multiple lists, it gets a couple bonus bonus points for every list it's on. So, just sorry I didn't say that ahead of time, but um, that's the point scale that we're working with. So, whew, let's keep this party rolling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. up next, we have um, Derek. What's your number 10? My number 10 is... James Gray's Ad Astra. Mm. Punt. Mm. Oh, punt. First punt. First punt. Right. Okay. Sweet. So, uh, Sean, where are you at? Uh, I'm here. Um, <laughs> I'm right here where there I've he been is. sitting. Here I am. Um, so, yeah, my number 10 is uh, Booksmart. Cool pick. Um, yeah. Um, cool pick. I really loved this movie. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, of these kind of, I think for the last four years or so, ever since um, uh, uh, The Edge of Seventeen uh, came out, there's been like a really good coming of age female kind of high school, middle school movie with, with Edge of Seventeen, Lady Bird, um, Eighth Grade, and then this movie. And um, oh, yeah. I feel like every every one of those I enjoyed more than the last. And um, uh, even though this movie ended up being lower on my list, I, I just had a blast with it. Um, and yeah, I just I loved this movie, loved the performances. It was hilarious, uh, brilliantly directed um, for Olivia Wilde's uh, debut film. I believe it's her debut film. Um, yeah. yeah, just absolutely loved this movie. Um, <clears throat> book smart. That's the great one. pick, Sean. Mm-hmm. Great pick. Fun. Movie. I just watched awesome. that really recently. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's really really good. Um. Okay. So uh, my number ten, I guarantee, is going to be a punt. Sorry that it's number ten. <laughs> I had a hard time, man. Like this, this list was hard this year. I felt so bad for number eleven. Because I just, man, mm-hmm. I had 19 movies that could have been in my top 10. And I mm-hmm. was like, I was sad about all of them. But, um, so, I don't know. Number 10, I absolutely loved. Guarantee it's going to be a punt. 1917. Punt. 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 Okay. Okay, Brandon, your turn. How dare you. I know. Um, okay, my number nine is... Uh, Long Day's Journey into Night. Probably no punts. I don't think any of you guys had seen this. Correct? No. 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 Okay. Um, This is a Chinese film that I don't think I got to, like, highlight it. I think I mentioned it, but I didn't get to really talk about it too much here um, because I was the only one who did see it. Anyways, uh, Chinese foreign film. This is a really amazing, unique movie. Um, For me, this kind of takes the place of, like, hidden life on just like complete beauty from beginning to end on what you're seeing on screen. And it's separated into two really unique acts. Um, The first hour is kind of very, this whole movie is very storyless. This guy just wandering around China in the most beautiful cinematography you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, Kind of like dealing with his past, coming back to, to his hometown. And then the second half is a single take, 59 minute long unbroken shot Um, that carries out to the end of the film. And 
it's kind of just a feast for the eyes, and this movie just like was gorgeous from beginning to end. Is so it a true unbroken shot like Victoria or like yes. 1917? Nice. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. One set, wow. one unbroken shot. But I've heard I've heard about that movie and it's on Canopy. I I almost watched it but didn't get around to it. So it's pretty cool hearing that it's in your top top ten number nine. Yeah. Can you can you say the name one more time? Long Day's Journey into Night. Cool. So that's a uh, Long Day's Journey into Night Chinese film. Brands number nine. So, um, Derek, what's your number nine? My number nine is. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm, punt. Punt? Yeah. Ooh, cool. Sweet. Did Nick punt? No, no, no. I was just repeating that you... Oh, you didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <Nick>. Come on. <laughs> hey, okay. real quick. Let me let Jinx out. She's growling at me. One sec. It was definitely in my top, uh, top 19. So... <laughs> Okay. It was close. So I, I didn't mean to say spoilers. I shouldn't have said punt at all because we like the mystery. So mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said, I, I shouldn't have repeated okay. it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. All right, ready to go. Okay, so punt on The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Sean, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine film is Midsummer. Punt. Punt. <laughs> Love it. I get so excited. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> cool. Um, Cool. Well, my number nine then is uh, the farewell. No puns. No. That's never oh, another cool. movie I didn't Surprising. get around to see. It's a contender. Damn it. Good yeah. Pick. Yeah. yeah. I. Th- it was honestly like it was pretty close between this and the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're kind of similar stories for me. Um, just both really personal movies, and this one kind of just eased the front a little bit more, just because. Um, it was such a unique perspective from a culture that I really didn't know that much about. And it really put you right into this culture and kind of dealt with so many themes and uh, kind of topics that go along with with the whole thing. Like, if you don't know what the movie's about, it's about this this girl played by Aquafina who finds out that her, her grandma is, is dying, like she gets cancer. And then um, she, her whole family is not telling the grandma and they all go and visit her and fake this wedding to um, just kind of say their goodbyes. And she has to grapple with whether or not she should tell her and what, why their culture is that way. And there's all these idiosyncratic things that happen. And it's just a really sweet movie that gives you an insight to another culture. And I, I just really loved it. So um, yeah, that's, that's the farewell. That's number nine. It was definitely my 11. Nice. <clears throat> it was kicked off the list just yesterday. It was on there for a long right. time. It happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was number nine. Brandon, what's your number eight? All right. My number eight is What's Upon a Time in Hollywood? Punt. Punt. Figured. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So, Derek, what is your number eight? My number eight is Ari Aster's Midsommar. Punt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's climbing the ladder. Okay. Sean, what is your number eight? Um, my number eight is Toy Story 4. Nice. Cool. 
Cool. Um, love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, and I loved this movie. Uh, yeah, it just, I think like it, everyone was a little, including myself, was a little worried about the Toy Story 4 because Toy Story 3 uh, left off, off on such a great note. Um, but then like I saw this movie and it turned out to be the movie I didn't know that I, I wanted or needed. So um, true. And it like, yeah. it adds, I, I really think it adds a whole, a lot to the series and, um, it's just, it, it, and it's another super fun adventure, um, in, with these characters and, um, you know, brings back some characters that you haven't seen in a, in many movies, and and uh, has a whole lot of fun with them. Um, and yeah, it just it, it just this is may also in part be a series kind of vote. You know, like uh, uh, um, Martin Scorsese yeah, winning for The Departed type thing, or Return of the King winning for a career a win. career win. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's all, all these movies are in my mind almost perfect. And it it really is to me the perfect franchise and it, it beats any other franchise out there, um, in terms of overall quality. Uh, and this movie just kind of solidified that and, and. What a claim! Show, I, I will, <laughs> I will fight anyone Defend. on that. Sean, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm totally <clears throat> on your side on this one. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I had Toy Story four in my top nineteen. Uh, I feel bad it didn't make it. And honestly, it might have had a better chance if it was on Disney Plus. I had a chance mm-hmm. to rewatch it. Yeah, I did. Um, I did watch it twice. It's I, not I, I, Disney Plus. No, Plus? they don't have it. It's, it's coming in February. They're just they're yeah. kind of spacing uh, some of the releases out. But I. Uh, I, I rewatched Toy Story three. Man, fucking, fucking, <laughs> they're so good. They're the best. Yeah. I'm yep. totally with you. One of the best franchises ever. Yeah. So. Also, and, it kind of like is as good as all of them are. All of Pixar's like animation. That movie like mm-hmm. ups their animation another notch. Like it's something else. <laughs> yeah. It's so freaking crazy how good that movie looks. So good. Well, great pick, Sean. That was uh, Toy Story 4, and that was your number eight. Mm-hmm. So uh, my number eight is Jordan Peele's Us. Nice. Nice. Kind of figured, kind of figured it wasn't going to be on any of your guys' lists, but, man, I loved that movie. Uh, I know there are some, like, you know, logical flaws about the big concept of it, but I was completely in on this movie. I love how like chilling and scary it was and how it had a lot to say about social issues and how when you view it a second time, it's a different experience and a third time is a different experience. Like there are so many little, little tiblets in this movie that I just love to latch onto. And it was just such a unique and interesting idea. And I don't know. I just, I just loved the execution of it. I loved how there were hilarious parts and there were scary parts and uh, parts that got you thinking. So 
Yeah, I just and he's becoming a really cinematic director. Yeah, for sure. And oh my gosh, there yeah. are some this kind of really scary parts. I just the other day yeah. I watched, uh, or no, no, it was listening to the slash film top ten, and and us was on one of their top tens, and it just played the the trailer in audio for that movie, and like just listening Chills. to that, I was just like, yeah, I got all tensed up and I got chills, and yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So, I, I I love that movie. I think it, uh, there were a bunch of really good horror movies that came out this year, and I wanted to put a bunch of them on there. And uh, mm-hmm. um, I had to I had to include us just because of how psyched I was after after I saw it, and then after seeing it again, I was just as psyched. So nice. Um, yeah, us is my number eight. So let's good go choice. to number seven, Brandon. What's your number seven? Speaking of horror. This year is out of control mm-hmm. for acclaimed horror films. My number seven is The Lighthouse. Punt. Ooh. You knew it. <laughs> cool. Cool. You got me, Derek. Cool. Okay. Uh, Derek, you're number seven. Uh, so this movie was really surprising for me. And I only I only watched it because I heard you guys talk about it a bunch. But mm-hmm. it was uh, my number seven is I Lost My Body. Nice. Wow. Uh, cool. God. Derek, that's my number 11. Really? It got kicked off by Under the Silver Lake. Nice. I was like ready to do it. Yeah. This movie really like swept me off my feet. I didn't realize I was going to like, I really just threw it on because I saw it got nominated for Academy Award and you guys were kind of talking about it. It was and on Netflix. Like, yeah, was, yeah, exactly. So I just popped it on and like Phoenix could watch it. It's like an animated movie. He's kind of interested, you know? And so... God, yeah, it's so good. And it's just such a like heartwarming story, kind of, but it's like it's heart something. I don't know. It just yeah, it just really connected yeah. with me. I like really felt a lot going through that movie. And the gimmick of it, because I do think this movie has like a gimmick that it's kind of playing with. And how it pays off in the end was just so like it was like mm-hmm. sometimes p- p- movies do like weird creative things because just to be weird and creative, you know, and this movie felt like they did a really weird and creative thing that just made the movie so much better by taking that weird chance and doing this story about this hand that's like lost in this. <laughs> and it's like I just couldn't believe how well everything clicked and it just how wet, how like into every scene I was like just sinking in my seat, just like, God damn, this is so freaking good. So, yeah. I'm really glad it got nominated for Academy Award. I don't think it's going to beat Toy Story four though, but yeah, I yeah. watched this movie on a cell phone on a plane ride. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it did like it just the animation I think needs to be called out. Like, yeah, yeah. This is some sure. of like the best animation and editing for a film like this. It really, really blew me away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the director's Jeremy Clappin. Hmm. So thought it should great, be said. Great, yeah. great pick, Derek. Uh, loved it. Great movie. Totally surprising how good that movie was. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean, you're number seven. So my number seven is a movie that until yesterday was not on my list. And I w- and um I know it was. It's going to be on all of your lists, um, but then I did 
a double feature yesterday, and I had so much fun (laughs) with this movie, and it it definitely like bumped up my list. We all know what it is. We saw what you watched yesterday. And uh, (laughs) my number seven is Parasite. Punt punt that out of here. Punt. (laughs) Okay, so my number seven. Are you? No, go ahead. We already know it's going to be a punt because I heard other voices say it. Uh, because it's already been punted once, and that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Punt. Ooh. Cool. Ooh. Sean doesn't have it. Ooh. This is a Derek, um, Derek-owned Derek movie. It's a good okay. year. Good <laughs> so, year for movies. Yeah. Too many so, good. So, uh, Brandon, your number oh. six. We're already back around. Oh, I know it's a punt anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, my number six film is Jojo Rabbit. Uh, punt. Yeah. Okay. I was like, someone yeah. is it? Is it? Okay. <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, Derek, your number six. My number six is Todd Phillips Joker. Um, I knew you'd have this on there. Yeah. Someone this had was, to. Had to be Derek. One of the craziest movie experiences I had this year. Like, I don't know if I've, I remember specifically going to the theater. I'm always cold in the Lowe's, uh, AMC theater or the, their Dolby. Mm-hmm. So I like had like a My coat mom. and stuff. And I remember the first thing at the end of the movie, like it's really intense. And I turned to Christina. I was just like, I am dripping in sweat. <laughs> Cause I was seriously like, just God, this is like one of the most stressful movies I think I've ever seen. I was so like nervous throughout the whole film. Like I really had no idea what was going to happen and what kind of movie it was going to be. And what it ended up being was just really fascinating. I think it was like such a cool way to explore like DC needed to really shake things up and do something different with their movies. And I think this is exactly what, they should be doing, which is letting people do fresh takes on their characters. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so good. Walking Phoenix, like just creates this new person that we've never really seen before, especially not like this. And, uh, it was really cool to see Todd Phillips actually produce like a really well crafted film from top to bottom. You know, uh, the cinematography is great. The score is amazing. Um, it just looks so good and it feels really good. And, um, yeah, it was just really, really impressive. Yep. Agree. Cool. Um, very close to my top 10 for sure. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Um, so that was your number six, uh, Joker number six. Um, Sean, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Knives Out. Oh, Derek. No, it's not on my wow. list. Surprising. Okay. Wow. I was I sure this. that it would be on someone's list. Uh, I was sure yeah. it was going to be on multiple people's list. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm surprised. So this movie, okay. um, I was a part of my double feature yesterday. Um, it was lower on my list. I think it was like number nine or 10. And I had, again, so much fun with it that I just had to bump it up. 
Um, <clears throat> the word I would use to describe this movie, uh, my experience of it, is it just tickled me throughout the entire movie. I was just nice. so happy and like wiggling around um, with every little detail and every new clue and hint and um, little fun moment throughout this movie. Um, Ryan Johnson, was, it just felt like Ryan Johnson was having so much fun with this movie and with the genre and with his characters. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it, it just really comes through. It, it, it's, just, it's just the funnest movie I saw all year straight up um and yeah it just and on top of that there's like some interesting um very topical current um ideas in the movie and um yeah um great performances and and just yeah all around a a really really great movie um so yeah my number my number six this movie like got pushed off of my list uh, very very late, like within the last couple of days. I'm really surprised, like all year leading up to it, and then even after I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be in my top ten. Like mm. why wouldn't it be? Really surprised it didn't make. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a testament to the year. I think. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like this year more than anything, the lesson for me has been like other people's taste. You know, just there's been so many interesting movies that have come out this year, and even the ones that weren't my favorites were interesting. And Knives Out was certainly a movie I thoroughly enjoyed. It was in my top 19, but it just wasn't like it just didn't have it to get into the top 10. But if there was if this was any other year, it probably would like if this was last year, it probably would have been in the top eight, you know, would have been seven like or eight. Us probably wasn't even in my top 20 but like what an interesting film mm-hmm. like i have so much respect for it still yeah yeah absolutely and just it seems like there were just so many good movies this year but not only that there were so many sort of like sectors of different tastes and different movies that could appeal to different people um speaking of which uh my next movie i'm pretty sure is going to be on someone else's list uh, actually i'm pretty positive it's going to be a punt but um, my number six is Uncut Gems. Punt. Guys. Wonderful. I didn't see Uncut Gems. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, no. What have I done? That was the one. So embarrassing. (laughs) Okay, guys, we're in the top five. This is where it gets serious. No more joking. Just kidding. You can joke. Stop joking. Um, No. Hard line. All right. Brandon, number five. Yeah. Okay, so this one won't be a punt because I have been punting it so far multiple times. Um, My number five is Ari Aster's Midsommar. Nice. Uh, There it is. There it is. A great film. Uh, Yes. Beginning to end, style and substance. Um, God, just the opening, like, 15 mortifying minutes of this movie. You're just like in the hands of a master (laughs) horror brutality director. Um, Yeah, and it it just doesn't quit. Like this is a completely unique and original take on a daylight horror film. And um, the characters are interesting. Love them or hate them. Mostly hate them. 
Um, the setting is like absolutely fascinating. The whole world that you're witnessing through this pretty long, almost two and a half hour film. Um, but this is, this is definitely the year for horror. Like I can't believe how high this movie cropped up, but the more I kept thinking about it, the more just like beautiful and perfect it is. Um, what an amazing director, only a second movie Mm, for sure. And his previous movie was uh, like my number two or three from last year. Um, uh, yeah, this, this one was number nine for me and it just, it blew me away. Um, it's super interesting and yeah, I I love this movie. Like what was it for you, Derek? It, uh, Oh, what on the list, it was my number eight. And, um, yeah, I mean, I echo all the same things you guys said, but like this movie also, it deals with things in such a unique way. That's unique to like the story of this movie. I mean like emotions and stuff. Cause a lot of this movie is just about like dealing with emotions and like how different people react to things differently. And like the ideas it puts forth are just so, endlessly fascinating to me and just they we just sit with these people for so long and like it just gets deeper and deeper and uh yeah it's just a fantastic movie and it's a crazy feat for a horror movie to be like this movie uh, it's just really mm-hmm. fascinating and uh, so yeah so something really unique happened to me yesterday at band practice um my bandmate eric showed up with a new t-shirt that was like bright red and in the center was just the square image of a man in a bear costume hmm. sitting on a hay barrel with flames behind him and it was all kind of like old and like washed out and I was looking and I was like oh shit that is such a good like perfect t-shirt design and then it just got me yeah. thinking like the whole night about the movie and it probably bumped up a spot or two just because of that nice yeah, um, I, I I didn't have it in my top ten, but if you guys don't mind, I have just a couple things I wanted to say about it. Um, yeah. Uh, the more I thought about this movie throughout the year, I, I wasn't super hot on it when I first saw it, but the more I thought about it, it really stuck with me. It was close to making my top ten, and if I could have pulled myself to watch it again, it might have gone into the top ten. <laughs> but that opening 15 minutes is what stopped me from watching it again. I was like, I don't <laughs> think I can handle that right now every single time. And I've even thought about turning it on and just skipping that part because, holy shit, that part was so traumatizing. It was so, so fucked up. But um, I wanted to say I actually really, really want to watch the director's cut. Even mm-hmm. though the movie is already like two and a half hours long, I hear the director's cut adds a lot to it. And I'm I'm really interested in it. Um, so I'm going to try to watch that sometime soon, maybe next year for Horror Movie Month. But um, very interested. Yeah, and one thing, that you, one thing that you guys haven't said, and you didn't say on our podcast either, because I, I remember I was going to bring up what I thought was the best part of the movie, that... Uh, that none of you guys brought up and then I didn't actually end up bringing it up, but, um, it's a use of drug use in that movie. Mm. Like mushrooms was the most accurate I've ever seen on film. Like (laughs) by far that was 
how it really feels to be on drugs. Like that first scene where they're sitting up on the hill. So subtly. Yeah, where they're sitting up on a hill doing the mushrooms and you can just kind of see the trees and the grass kind of waving a little bit. That's actually what hallucination looks like. And then mm-hmm. how her pan- she started panicking and she ran down the hill and the camera got close to her face and it was like an overwhelming sensation. That's having a bad trip. Like that mm-hmm. is what that feels like. And um such a good movie. Like I'm it bu- it bumped up um pretty high for me. Um so I awesome. wish it could made my top ten, but great choice. Great choice. Yeah. Let's keep it rolling, for guys. Sure. What's uh Derek, what's your number what's your number five? My number five is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Was that it? Mm-hmm. Is that is that where it lands? Like it. Cool. Wait, so does that mean someone else shares this with me? Because it got punted already, didn't it? Yeah. Um, um Brandon Nick punted and it, Brandon. then I Brandon said it first, then I said it second, and then you said third. So it's on three of our lists. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh god, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um uh god, what to say about it? It's good film. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a <laughs> solid great. you know, it's like it's Quentin Tarantino. He just like pumps out a solid classic after another. Casual um, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just uh God, this year, like Brad Pitt is like kind of a Gosh. star this year. I mean mm-hmm. he always is, but like already on our list twice. Yeah, yeah. he's so he, he's awesome. <laughs> he really was like one of my favorite parts of this movie. But uh, the whole movie is really, really great. And it's just it's cool to see Quentin make a less um, mostly it's it's not as like cynical as a lot of his movies are. And it's like a pretty upbeat, kind of positive, happy movie for, uh, you know, until the last like, <laughs> you know, the dread slowly builds over the, the second half of the film. But um, it was just fun to see like this big budget uh, period piece about making movies. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, and not yeah. as gimmicky either. Yeah, there's, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a unique take for him. Usually, yeah, his I films did. are around this huge concept mm-hmm. that runs through the whole thing. This one is more, more normal. It's a yeah, lot I totally of agree. like I, th- I thought it was like his most most mature movie up until you know obviously it kind of yeah. takes a turn a good, at some point. Good word. But, but yeah, like I thought it was it was very it, it kind of just told a normal story that was really interesting and and um, relied on its characters and yeah. Um, See, I want to push back a little bit on how normal it is because yeah. I feel like yeah, sure the story Relative. like like Relative. nothing 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 super like crazy like violent happens for most of the movie, but like the the way that movie is structured is unlike almost any other movie like there's there's hardly a story in that movie like mm-hmm. there's basically no plot it's just these characters just hanging out and then it goes into random flashbacks that take up half hours of time you're basically watching leonardo dicaprio act in a different TV show for like 20, 30 minutes. Like the mm-hmm. way that movie is structured is unlike any other movie. And it, it can be kind of confusing the first time you watch it. Like the first time I was like, where's this going? What's happening in this movie? Yeah. But totally, totally along for the ride. Love what they did with history. Like I loved Derek, the, the set, the set pieces, like how they recreated Hollywood. So perfect, authentic. And uh, I mean, no spoilers about the ending, but like, perfect <laughs> god i will say like yeah the 
that that ending for a lot of reasons will be like imprinted in my brain forever but what i'll never forget is how hard the entire theater was laughing throughout Mm. that whole (laughs) sequence it's like what's happening on screen and what's happening like in the everyone's seats is just doesn't like seem like doesn't it would match. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, but it's except uh, for people who know the history of Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah. Uh great pick. Great pick, mm-hmm. Derek. Uh cool. So that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Derek's number five. Sean, what's your number five? My number five is Uncut Gems. Ooh. Oh, fucking yeah. punt. Yeah. Punt? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading Definitely. my list. I, mean, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, it has to be because we know yeah. what Brandon's number five Brandon's was already. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, my number five is, uh, is a punt from earlier, but I think that was the only punt. So um, that would be Ad Astra. James Gray's Ad Astra. Um, nice. I love this movie. Pick. I mean, I, I remember telling you guys, like, when I left the theater, I was convinced that it was going to be on the top of all of our lists. And it turned mm-hmm. out, like, I liked this movie more than most people <laughs> did, but I just, it was completely up my alley. Like, talking about taste with film, like, I get that this movie wouldn't be the taste for a lot of people. It's slow. It's contemplative. It has a few pretty cheesy elements like with the voiceovers, but none of that bothered me. Like I was just along for the ride of, of having Brad Pitt think about his dad, think about mortality, think about the universe. Like I was just completely on board for all of that. And then not to mention the set pieces were gorgeous. Like the opening scene alone blew my socks off. Like literally my feet went numb (laughs) while I was watching that, the beginning of that film. And then like the moon sequence moments spaced out through that movie so much. And, uh, and you know, and I'm I'm a sucker for these kinds of big space movies. You know, like I love space travel movies. So uh, Lost in Space type movies, like I'm I'm on board for it. Mm. So um, yeah, well, I feel man. like it's been a long time since we've gotten a big space movie that's like you said, like contemplative. Like we had like Interstellar, but I don't know. Everyone has their gripes with that movie, and I think it's kind of it's a little ham-fisted. This one like really lets you. Like it gives you so much to think about and like it doesn't give you, I mean, it has its own kind of take on things, but I just feel like it's been a long time since we've had like a big, like celestial movie that just like introduces ideas and like lets you just think about them. Because Interstellar kind of tells you what it's trying to say. Like Interstellar right, yeah. kind of explicitly says, hey, this is kind of what the movie's about. Whereas right. I remember with Ad Astra, like there were a lot of different takes for it. Like some people were like, you know, it's, he's talking about religion and Christianity. And then other people were like, uh, it's actually about atheism. Like he's talking about God doesn't exist. And like, right. it's kind of cool that a movie like that can have different perspectives and you can chew on a lot of different uh, things. What an it. ending discovery. Mm-hmm. The opposite of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's such a brilliant concept. Yeah. Kind of getting chills just hearing you guys talk about (laughs) it. Like, God, I wish this was my top 10. I want to rewatch it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's on video, so we all could watch it. But, Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, so that was my number five, Ad Astra. And fucking Brad Pitt, again, I'm sorry, but like, (laughs) oh, man, I thought that was his best performance, and he barely did anything in it. It was like, just pulling back, you know, like... Just the way you said that was good. Yeah. (laughs) Barely did anything. Yeah. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, he took his shirt off, and this one, he, like, floated around. (laughs) Great performances. Amazing. Mm. So we're at number four. Brandon, what is your number four? My number four is one of the early loves in the year for me that blew me away. Um, And this might be the lowest budget film on the list, but uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm. Um, This is Joe Talbot's film, um, which I haven't followed this guy at all. Um, But when I saw this movie, I kind of just like absolutely fell in love with it. Um, it creates this uh, like really unique heightened world of San Francisco that's just a little bit stepped out into fiction um, of this guy trying to uh, live in what was his father's home um, in a really nice gentrified neighborhood in San Francisco. Um, a beautiful movie that like the ending, my you guys say this a lot, and this is one time it actually happens to me. But, like, my mind goes back to, like, the ending message of this film often. And I've, like, literally said it out loud, like, maybe a dozen times Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this year to people. Because it's very poignant and um, just really resonates with me, um, what this film, like, is trying to say. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. And honestly, there's another movie that isn't going to be on my top 10, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on at least someone else's that, um, that I think about relating to, uh, that ending and what that ending is saying. It's just like a little tiblet, but I think about, I think about you in New York city and how, I mean, you've only been there for like four or five years at this point. How long have you been in New York? But like yeah, six, six, but like you're totally a New Yorker and you love it, you know, and it's like part of you. And, uh, I mean, it's like San Francisco is, is it's like an exploration of San Francisco um, and mm-hmm. and different perspectives that people have had on this city that people love. And a lot of new people live in, too. So, uh, Yeah, this was my, my number nine. Right, this made your list, Eric, right? Yeah. Yes, this was my number nine. And uh, I think it's free on Amazon right now, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Yep. It's on Prime, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, really good. Go check it out. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, pretty much what you said. It's, it's got like a weird, yeah, like a heightened version of San Francisco, but not like far enough that, like, if you jumped into the movie, you'd be like, oh, what's this weird take on San Francisco? But they like, it's really weird how they do it. But, um, God, this movie just like the relationship between these two main characters really won me over. Uh, throughout the whole movie it's just such a like there's just so much like it feels like one of those movies that is so personal like every aspect of this movie just feels it's like just there's so much love just everywhere and it's like so some of it's like um you know like tough love and stuff too and it's just it's it's just it's a really great low budget little indie movie and it's um the soundtrack i listen to fairly regularly too Hmm. it's so freaking good 
Really, yeah, that's a beautiful score. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. You guys are doing yeah. the same thing with Ad Astra for me right now, where I'm just like hearing you guys talk about the last Black Man in San Francisco, and I'm like, I just want to watch it again. I like, I want to find time to watch this movie again. It's so good. Yeah, this movie. It's also like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sean. I was gonna say this movie probably should be on my. Uh, movies that I missed list because I tried to squeeze it in uh, before this podcast and I ended up watching it on an airplane, um, which was a bad decision. There was, (laughs) there was a lot of commotion going on for some reason in that flight. And then there was like, there was a lot of uh, turbulence and it just, I feel like on an airplane, it's kind of hard to hear movies sometimes. And, um, yeah, I, I ended up movie. not being able to like be in into the movie as I I probably should have been if I had watched it like on my own somewhere. Yeah, and that's too bad. Yeah, it was very unfortunate. But um, I, I, w- I will say it was even though I wasn't as engaged in the movie as I probably should have been or or would have been otherwise. The ending was really impactful for me, and I like I really did feel. A, an interesting emotional connection to the characters and, and what they were doing. And yeah, so definitely a movie I need sure. to rewatch. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Um, yeah. I, I feel bad. I didn't make my top 10, but um, I'm glad it was so high on your list, Brandon. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're at number four. So we're at Derek. What is your number four? My number four was Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. It's all yours. Derek, this was my number 11. This was the movie that I feel so bad about more than any other movie because it was my number 11. So far away. And my number seven. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, God, what? uh, uh, Sorry, Brandon, was that your your number six? Uh, My number seven. It's... uh, Probably the most unique movie I saw this year. It's, I don't even know. I, I think like it got lumped into the horror category more just because Robert Eggers had made a horror movie. I don't know how horrifying it really is, but it's just so, it's like, it's such like a, I'm trying to think of how to describe it because it's, it's like. It's a mood. Well, it's, it's a, a mood, but it's home. like, it's so, they do so, there's so much work done in this movie. I, Every movie there is, but it's like, you know, they're doing a different, a different, uh, aspect ratio. Uh, it's black and white. It takes place in like one location and it's really vague on a lot of the story elements of what's happening. There's just so much, uh, like there, I feel like they ask a lot from the viewer, uh, mm-hmm. in this movie. And I think yeah. in return, they deliver so much like, this is probably one of my, I mean, no, it's probably my favorite Robert Pattinson movie. I think this is my favorite performance he's done. And, Not uh, no, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, Will, <laughs> Will Defoe was amazing in it. And I think I saw it with you, Sean. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the first thing I was thinking about, and I think this is part of why this movie just flows so well. Uh, when we walked out, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen, I've never felt that two actors were having more fun making a movie than when I watched this movie. They were just like, just, it felt like they were playing off each other so well. And, 
they're just such interesting characters and the things they do were just so funny and sad and uh, sometimes kind of creepy and scary, but uh, just like what a fascinating, weird vision, you know, that, that Robert Eggers had with this movie. Um, Yeah. So this might be weird to say, but I feel, so this was my number seven and I feel like if this movie had came out by like Hitchcock in the fifties, this would be like regarded as like top hundred films of all time, like ever made. Um, and what I mean by that, I guess, is that there's just like so much control over like the craft of cinema in this film from every single aspect and department that is movie making. It is like such an impressive artistic vision. Yeah. Um, and I think because it's in like 2019, um, it's gonna, it's, you know, it's gonna disappear. Like a lot of these great horror movies that come out now are, Mm. um, as perfect of a film as it is. Hello, Robert Eggers, yeah. is, he's kind of done, he's kind of, maybe he doesn't get as much clout as Ari Astra, but he's certainly crafting, like, a wet reputation, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just between The I Witch and The Lighthouse. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Witch, people like more and more and more as the years go by. Like, I'm pretty sure that was, like, same thing with The Lighthouse, where it was on the border of my top ten. I don't know if, it, I can't remember if it made my top ten, but now it's, like, one of my favorite horror movies that I'll go back to like frequently and I feel like the lighthouse could be the same thing where like I'm going to want to revisit this movie and I'm pretty sure I'll see and discover more the next time I watch mm-hmm. it and I think I'll appreciate it mm-hmm. more and I th- I, th- I think people are going to talk about this movie for a while I mean I, who knows I hope so. and, and I, I think so. it does d- depend heavily on the guy's career if if he's a director that people in the future are going to want to come back and and revisit his career um, I think it could have a pretty strong lasting effect for sure. Mm-hmm. Like an Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> weird Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Word. This, is, this is such a fucking weird movie. I have it's no so idea weird. how so it's many people saw it. It's such a weird movie. It. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's so bizarre. I know not that many people saw it, but like, how is this movie even in like more than four screens in the United States? Wait, so I have a little I, like tidbit that kind of comments on that. And it was, I listened to an interview with Robert Eggers and uh, they're talking about trying to sell this movie and like he had all these really strict requirements and they're like shopping around. And I also want to say this, this, there's a couple movies that it goes into a two four and a two four has multiple movies on our list this year. And they seem like a company that really produces really good films and they take chances on things. And he was talking about all these different studios. They're like shopping it around. Nobody wanted to do it. And finally at the very end, they're like, all right, call a two four and they (laughs) call them and immediately they green green light it. And Mm -hmm. this is what comes of it. You know, quality filmmaking, Mm -hmm. people taking chances on weird shit like this. I recently made a list on Letterboxd that's like, I mean, it's a dumb ranking of A24 movies. So it's like all the A24 movies I've seen and Mm. just, you know, an arbitrary ranking. Like they could be switched at any moment. But like just looking at the top 20 A24 movies, that could be like a top of the decade list. Like there are so many great movies. Damn. I'm telling you, man, like there are so yeah. many good A24 movies. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're putting out like the most creative movies right now. It's, it's amazing. They're becoming their own criterion collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just for, just for reference. Um, I, I just looked it up. Uh, this movie had a $4 million budget and it more than tripled mm-hmm. that with $15 million box office. So not, 
not a huge box office, uh, you know, blockbuster or anything, but, but, but yeah, more yeah. than tripled its budget. And I feel like yeah. that's what that's they're doing good for an more, indie movie. more these days too. Like they're just yeah. like really low budget, taking big chances on really low budget movies and then just like tripling their, their box yeah. out or their, um, budget. The Blumhouse. What's well, yeah. the Blumhouse like model? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great pick, Derek. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lighthouse. I'm so. It's not one. I'm just so happy that's so high on your list. That's yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, hey, real Sean. quick, Nick, you put you put us as your what? top horror. I put Midsummer as my top horror, and Derek put Lighthouse as his top horror. Yeah. Did I get that correct? Wow. Yeah. Unless we still have other horrors coming. But Sean. Uh, Sean. But. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I you know, I really wanted to get Happy summer. Death Day to you up there, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Nick. Uh, <laughs> All right. it, There's still it, three it, more slots. It, it was in my top 19, but uh, no, sorry, spoiler, Happy Death Day to you is not in my uh, top four. Um, Sean, what is your uh, number four? My number four is Marriage Story. No? Oh, Wow. Wow, I'm on his list. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Brandon, I thought this movie would be. I thought it would be your number three or four. Yeah, Yeah. number twelve, Sean. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I loved this movie. I loved. is brilliantly written. Um, I'm, I'm still in shock that this isn't on Brandon's list. <laughs> um, Mr. Noah Bomback over uh, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. <laughs> yeah. Noah Bombach. No, by yeah, far, Marriage Story cool. is is Noah Bombach's by far best movie. He's one of the best all-time directors now. <laughs> not, not even in your top, top 10. 10. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> Sean, so do you got to do this justice the yeah, first time we've talked about this movie. Um, yeah, because we, we had to skip it on our on our December episode. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, this is a f- really interesting movie for me. I, I, like, I watched this kind of on my own, and then, like, I feel like I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I just kept thinking about it, like, as the days went on, and I... I um, saw some YouTube videos about it and, and listened to some, uh, reviews of it. And, and, um, and, and then I actually rewatched it with Kelly and we got a chance to really dig into what the movie was doing and, and, um, kind of how he was portraying these characters and, and all the characters in the movie in such a interesting and really unique way. I feel like, um, and um, the opening of this movie is so fucking brilliant on so many levels. Um, I guess I'm getting into a little bit more of a review, a, a bigger review of it. But um, yeah, the montage. Yeah, like the, the the montage of of it's it's these two people talking about what they like about the other person. Um, these two married people talking about what they like about the other person. And um, it's like a long, maybe 10 minute sequence of just montage introducing you to these characters and immediately getting the audience to fall in love with the characters. Um, And then immediately cutting to a scene when they're, where they are 
um, in, a, a, I guess, therapists or a legal counsel office where these lists, where they, they did this list for this kind of um, family therapy or something. And they don't, they refuse to read the, read the, it to each other. Um, like, and, and that's the tone that the movie is, starts out with. And that I, I feel like carries on throughout the rest of the movie in such an interesting way. Um, it's really, I've, it's fucking I've, brilliant. I've wanted to, real yeah. quick, sorry. I've wanted to say this same point about Noah Baumbach for a while. Like, he is such an uh, economical director, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. he shoves mm-hmm. so many scenes. Like, it's Star Wars... Uh, rise of the skywalker like of dramas like he just shows scene after scene and they're quick and fast and you just learn and grow so much with his characters throughout his whole like filmography and it's pretty unique once you kind of start seeing what he's doing and that opening is is kind of um is exactly Mm -hmm. that like you don't see dramas really go that quick through people's lives and move and uh, definitely so, so Sean, yep. you like uh, we were talking about this movie the other day um, in, in real life, mm-hmm. uh, non podcast life, and I just watched it. And I, you know, I I wasn't as high on it as you, and uh, I was kind of like saying some things I didn't like about it. And you said a few things that just kind of like got stuck in my head, and uh, you know, you made me appreciate it more. Like it was one of those things where you. What you said was, well, what I said was, I didn't like how the characters didn't really change throughout the movie. Like, by the end, like, you, I was like, well, you find out everything you need to know about them in the first few minutes. And then by the end, they're, they're still those people. And, mm-hmm. uh, what did you say? You said that, uh, the, the process of divorce turned them into people that they didn't want to be and people that they aren't. And mm-hmm. the, it, the movie is really about how tragic and upsetting the process is. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end of the movie, it kind of comes full circle in that they're back to, they're back to normal mm-hmm. from how they, how yeah, they definitely. wanted to be. And uh, I appreciated you saying that. Yeah. Thank uh, you. So um, yeah. Like but, their arc is, is yeah. to get them back to where kind of they start. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, cause, and like, again, back to the, the opening of this movie, you never really, only through that montage, do you see who the type of people that they are. And then immediately once you get into the like story of the movie, they're already going, starting this arc into becoming kind of ugly people through the, the process of divorce. And, um, you know, starting with the con- with conflict and and um, butting heads and and turning into that uh, the the ugly person that they don't want to be, and then it's that journey of them kind of coming back out of that. And yeah, I thought that was really interesting about the movie. Um, and it's also um, I thought it was super interesting how like I felt like it had such a positive. Um, uh, opinion on humanity, I guess, like it for all of its characters. Like there's, there's everyone throughout this movie or, or, or no one in this movie is like dishonest or is, is really lying to anyone. And in, and it's like about this, like inevitability um, of the nature of of humanity that this, this, these kinds of things are going to happen. And like, you have to learn to 
to rise above it, I guess, and, and be a good person. Yeah. I, I just like, I could, I could talk about this movie for a long time, but I yeah. love the dynamic of the three lawyers mm, yeah, definitely. and it seems like that kind of even touches on them. Like they're mm-hmm. depicted in such a more like, I think honest way in this film than in others. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get yeah. to see how they're actually just normal, nice people, but they're cutthroat as fuck when it comes to their job. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, know, I, think we could, I think we could talk about, I think we yeah. could talk about Laura Dern and her perspective and her g- ultimate goals in life and her outfits. <laughs> yeah. I think we could talk about <laughs> Laura Dern's character for an hour at least. Uh, a yeah. lot of complicated issues there. Although her choices of lunch food. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Her outfits though. Um, also want to give a shout out to the lady, the social worker who uh, had that glass of water. Oh, yeah. you know, Thanks She's for so the water. For all the sprays. <laughs> she was great. But um, yeah. I do think we should move on to the next movie. Yeah. Just we, we have. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's do it. Cool. Uh, uh, we're at mine number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm kind of nervous at this point, guys. This is kind of a funny point in the podcast. I just want to say this really quick. At this point. <laughs> I know one of my movies in my top four is going to be on more lists, but I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering if any of my other four are going to be hmm. on any of your oh, guys' wow. lists. Wow! I'm just like I'm looking at it. Yeah, and I'm I know going, what you're talking about. What? I'm just like I don't know. We'll I think see. I can anyway, so this. my number four that confuses me. My number. All right. Here, here we go. This here we go. Number four, The Irishman. Punt. Punt. You're oh safe. Oh my man. gosh, my heart Shit. skipped a beat. <laughs> oh god. I was okay. a little worried about that too, Nick. Oh man, yeah. this, is, this is getting crazy. What? Were you well, worried that no one was going to punt it? Yeah, is a little bit. I just was like, Nick, Nick thought that was going to be one of his only. <laughs> well, I, I the, the Irishman actually just moved down my list a little bit, but yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so we're at number three. Top threes. Here we go, guys. Top threes. <laughs> Brandon, what's your number three? Yeah. All right, so I just have to say, this is probably my best top three <laughs> of maybe this decade. Like, this Ooh. is crazy, guys. Um, like, yeah, like three, you did your one. best at picking the top three? Or <laughs> no. oh. Cinema did the best at creating the top oh, three. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm so nervous. <laughs> please forgive me, you guys. Number three is a little movie called Parasite. Punt. Punt. Okay. Uh, Number three. Uh, Derek, what's your number three? My number three is this really small indie movie that came out this year called Avengers Endgame. Derek. (laughs) Derek. Punt. Oh, Oh my God. What? What? Oh, my God. Nick. Oh wow. All right. Whoa. Good, good, good. Yeah, I don't know, so man. Bad. I don't know. We'll, oh we'll come back. Nick, your prophecy is uh, not coming. I know. That's true. why I was nervous. That's why I'm, I'm glad I was wrong. I was I was nervous. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. uh, I just didn't know. But cool. Um, <laughs> Damn. Wow. Uh, you Sean. can't even give Avengers to Derek, Nick. I know. I, it's insulting. God. So mean. My, All right. Um, Sean. My number three film of the decade is Jojo Rabbit. Decade? The oh, decade. sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Spo- no. No. <laughs> I made my decade list. Yeah. Number Good three. Pick. Jojo Rabbit. 
Cool. And Derek He's... hasn't seen this movie, right? No. Derek, this is like your number one of the <laughs> yeah. year once you see it. Really? This movie was made for you. <laughs> yeah, Derek, you really should see this movie. <laughs> it's playing right down the street. I'll try to see it before Oscars for sure. Yeah. Um, man, this this movie's this movie's crazy. Um, it's such a bizarre movie um, to to tell to tell a story that's a comedy about Nazis. Uh, as far as I know, has only been done like with a couple other movies. There's like um, the producers, I guess, vaguely yeah. about Nazis, but then like. Um, uh, life, life is, is beautiful. beautiful is is the only other one that comes to mind. Um, there's probably and the great di- the great dictator Charlie Chaplin. Right, it's true. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, this it's it definitely hasn't been done very often, and I imagine it's because it's extremely difficult to pull off. Uh, and it's uh, I I really feel like this movie does it. It. it does it really well. Um, I feel like it, it balances the really serious nature of the Nazis and Nazi Germany and, um, and the Holocaust and, and all that ugliness with a, um, light, um, kind of imagination and of a, of a, an innocence of a child. Um, and it's, it's on one hand such a funny movie and on the other hand such a tragic and sad movie um it's so beautifully made um for so much of it and uh it it's yeah i, I mean i think it's his masterpiece at at this point um uh Taika Waititi's masterpiece it's uh such brilliant filmmaking and um yeah uh, i i re-watched this movie just the other day and in, in when i was in los angeles i took uh, i actually took aunt laura to see it and um yeah it's a it's a it's an emotional film like uh, in all the aspects of emotion um did that help it go up or down if um, I think I, I don't actually I don't think I changed it. It, it just solidified okay. <clears throat> how much I loved this movie. Um, I just want to echo mm-hmm. one point. The funniness of this movie can't be understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taika Waititi in this film is a comedic genius of a writer. And it had me laughing my ass off at how just clever and hilarious the humor mm-hmm. is. For sure. Brilliant comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I, I guess what I have to say about it. It's it's a super interesting movie to me. Um, that and it's it's really unique. Uh, I feel like and re- definitely stands out um, even amongst the other uh, Nazi movie comedies that I've seen. Um, so yeah, my number three. Do you consider the Grand Budapest Hotel a Nazi comedy? Oh, um, I guess no, I don't. Um, no. There, I yeah, there's definitely Nazis in it. Uh, but good reference, yeah. Derek. <clears throat> I mean, I, I I wouldn't put it in the same category of when it comes to the seriousness of of the subject right. matter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
That's an interesting comparison, though, Derek. That's that's interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I I love both those filmmakers, and those mm-hmm. both those movies didn't really affect me as much as a lot of other people. Like Sean, I'm really glad you loved it so much. I, I don't want to like take that away from you, but like for whatever reason, just like taste or whatever, um, it, JoJo didn't do it for me. But neither did the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's kind of my least favorite Wes Anderson movie. Hmm. I know a lot of people; it's their favorite Wes Anderson movie. But yeah, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean JoJo, great. I mean it's super funny. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool that you have it so high. Brandon, you had it on your list too? You had it like at number six or something? Yep. Number six. Very, very cool. Um, cool. So uh, my number three uh, is also a Nazi movie, but not a comedy. It's uh, A Hidden Life. So um, I'm assuming I'm the yeah. only one on that has that one. The opposite of a comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. There's there's no humor in this movie. Uh, it just uh, it's just beautiful. You know, we we just talked about it last month on the podcast, so I don't really feel like I need to talk about it too much. But it it's just so beautiful in every way, and it's meditative, and it just had me thinking about all sorts of things. Had me thinking about how what I would do in the face of evil, and uh, how evil can be disguised, and evil sometimes doesn't even fully look evil, and the price of saving your soul or the price of doing what you think is right. And if it's worth it sometimes, like it just had all these really big ideas. And I just, I just love sitting with this movie and just taking in all of the Terrence Malick. And again, I, am sorry, I keep going back to it, but it's like taste is a big part of this. Like I am inclined to be a Terrence Malick fan. I think he's a genius. I think he's like on the close to the same level as like Stanley Kubrick. Like he's, he's, just a fucking fantastic filmmaker and um, he is doing his thing. And this was to me like him saying something important and make a statement with it. And yeah, it was, it was long <laughs> and it was totally Terrence Malick. So if you're not like totally on board with Terrence Malick, I could see, you know, being like, Oh, this movie's kind of drag, but I, I was, I was moved by this movie. So um, yeah, I have it really high because of how, how moving it was. And um, yeah, good pick. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that was uh, a hidden life. That was my number three. So uh, Sean, did you have it anywhere? I know you didn't even rate it. Oh was yeah, this, like, top fifteen or twenty. I don't rate Terrence Malick movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, wait, what? What was the question? What? He was asking if you like considered it, like did it, like yeah, yeah. Um, I I put it. I I I think I threw like twenty three or twenty four movies on a list, and it was one of them that was up for. It was above being considered. It went. It left pretty quickly, but um, yeah, um, I I did really really like the movie. Nice. Okay. So uh, final two, top two. So this is where it gets I, really serious. I don't know. I'm like, so. by process of elimination, I, I, Brand, uh, Brandon's list is going to bug me. But let's go. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, you're number what? two. Okay. Um, all right. My number two film is <laughs> Sam Mendes' 1917. Punt. 
Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, Derek, you're number two. Okay. <laughs> that was my number two also. Oh, boom, 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 boom. Cool. Sean, mark it, write it down. Mark it down, Sean. Yeah. Sean's keeping track of the points, by the way. Um, (laughs) My number two film is... Wait, Nick? Nick had it in... It's on... uh, Nick had it in number 10. I had it. I had number 10. I had number 10, so... Oh, you already said it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, You guys yelled at me, remember? I was I was shamed. (laughs) <laughs> my number two film is The Irishman nice um nice yeah uh this movie I feel like you keep having every movie just like one or two higher than everyone else um do you have this on your list Brandon is this no, me yeah this is me and Sorry. me and uh, Nick are the only ones um, this is my number 11 yeah um, this is a super interesting movie. Um, like not only as, you know, on, on its own, um, not only on its own, is it a really interesting movie? Just like the story that it's telling and, and, um, and kind of what it's doing, uh, within the movie, but also very much like as a, as in a continuation of like film history and the gangster genre. Um, it's, it's like commenting it's, it's Martin Scorsese kind of commenting on his film career in a lot of ways, I feel like. Um, and he, he's doing some super interesting things in this movie. Um, why talking about like, I think talking about his own career and like how we see violence and how we glorify violence and um, how we, uh, how we, I guess, look at our own history um, in in this country. Um, It's a, I mean, it's, it's Martin Scorsese. It's, it's a masterpiece. He's at the top of his game um, coming back to a genre that he is the best at. And, um, it's uh, yeah. It's bringing back actors that um, into the spotlight that have been out of it for quite a while, um, and showing that they are capable of just as capable today as they were in their in their heyday. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I could dig pretty deep into this movie right now, but, um, right. I'm trying to keep it short. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Sean, I just want to echo what you're saying. Like, uh, I, am sorry. I keep saying this as if it's a buzzword, but to me, this was again, like a very contemplative meditative movie. You know, mm-hmm. this was, you know, it was three and a half hours long, maybe longer. And it was just kind of exploring, almost like the realness of gangster movies, you know, mm-hmm. like we have these legends of these people that are often glorified. And, you know, you, even with Goodfellas, how there's like the, a rough ending. The first mm-hmm. half of the movie is pretty awesome. Yeah, and great. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think the Irishman doesn't really have any great, you know I mean? It has mm-hmm. a little bit of them like going to a party or two or whatever, but mm-hmm. mostly it's like pretty, it's a pretty dry movie. And um, it's, it's just kind of like 
you get to spend time with these characters and just see what actually happens and what the actual violence would look like and how it really affects loved ones and what mm-hmm. they go through. And um, I was actually talking about this movie today because it's it's a pretty interesting like idea of like an adapted screenplay based on history. You know, so this this movie like it's about this guy played by Robert De Niro. And apparently when he was like on his deathbed, he like confessed to doing all these things and then he died and then someone wrote a book about what he said. So it's like impossible mm-hmm. to verify if he actually did any of these things because, or even if he said that he did these things, like for all we mm-hmm. know, this guy who wrote the book could have made most of it up. Like there's no way of verifying mm-hmm. any of it. And so like, this isn't a book, this isn't a book movie about facts of history. It's a, um, it's kind of like, uh, an acknowledgement that history is, is kind of confusing and you don't, you don't really know what the absolute truth is because there kind of is no absolute truth. And all that's left is like what you've done. And with gangsters, what they've done is sad, you know, it's, yeah. it's lonely. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese, like at the top of his game again, and this late career Scorsese stuff where he's kind of like slow and meditative. I mean, silence was kind of the same thing where he was, looking back on, you know, religion at an older age and kind of slowly Mm. examining it. And it's, it's pretty great that he's telling these really personal stories so well at his age. Yeah, Um, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, to to add to, to add to what you just said, Nick, like, I think, um, not only can you not corroborate anything he said, but I think a lot of what he said is pretty, widely known to be like outright false. Like this guy just, I mean, if he actually did write this book based on that interview that he did, um, you know, this is a a guy who lied about a lot of his life and, uh, um, it's, you know, we're, it's pretty certain that he lied about a, a huge chunk of it and we don't know uh, the other stuff that can't be proven or, or, uh, confirmed. We have no idea how, how much of that is even true. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like doing this, a story, a historical fiction, um, about something that is so, it, there, there's a lot of really interesting, like, true what is truth and like what what are the stories that we're telling um ourselves and like and um yeah just just like on an individual level i think that's that's really interesting and like how this guy wants the wanted the world to see him i guess and and how this guy wanted the world to see his life um on his deathbed so like yeah it's there's a lot of interesting dynamics um like coming into this movie and then like on top of it, it's just like, it's just such a solid, interesting movie in and of itself. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really love this movie. Yeah. I'm glad you had it. So high on your list, Sean, uh, I, I had it at number two, honestly, I had it sitting there at number two and, uh, this movie was a last minute switch with what turned out to be my number two. Mm. And that is Avengers Endgame. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh man. I thought you were going to do that. Number one. No, nope, uh, <laughs> what's happening. Nope. I put Avengers Endgame at number two. Um, it, 
it just wound up there, guys. Um, it was just, I, I, I don't know. I honestly think this might be one of the best blockbusters ever made. Like in terms of like big mainstream filmmaking, nothing like this has ever happened before. Um, to the point of, I mean, yeah, like 25 movies culminating to this big event. Um, but not just that, like it was, it was successful in that, but the fact that like what happens in infinity war, um, actually really affects the world and the characters, how people are, how the movie spends ample time dealing with death and dying and surviving and trying to move on and, these kind of big issues for for uh for a movie that's going to make three billion dollars you know it's it it goes in directions that i thought would have had to have been bold you know and then they did it and it was bold and then not to mention like again a concept that i'm inclined to like time travel you know did the it had a big portion of it was about time travel and you got to revisit these other movies from the mcu in such such wonderful ways and um it was funny it had great action it was emotional it was emotional it was very it was just it was everything that you'd want in a blockbuster and honestly it probably will like this kind of thing will probably never happen again and i just i just had to give it credit for that i just Mm -hmm. i just had to so uh yeah that's why i have avengers endgame at number two credit where credit's due yeah, it was it was my number three, and I mean, on top of everything you just said, like I think this is just a shockingly well crafted film in every aspect. Like even and especially the writing in this movie is so like the story that you're telling is so complex and has so much baggage and has so many interweaving storylines and like, uh, like time or what do you, you know, like not time zones, <laughs> like, you know, timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Timelines is what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Like there's just so much happening and they have to cram in so much shit into this movie. It's shocking that they came out with anything at the end that made sense. And, the fact that they came out, not only did it make sense, but like they did, they brought like an ending to these characters and this storyline that like mattered. It had weight and it felt like right. You know, everything about it just felt like, yes, thank you for figuring out how to end this in a way that like was going to make this 10 years feel worth it, you know? And it did like, like more than did. And, um, that is just like, I, like you said, Nick, I think I easily say it's the best blockbuster ever made. I, I can't think of any other movie ever in the history of cinema that's had to do something that complex and pull it off with such like grace. And like, it feels so easy. Like it just, like all their movies do, but it just like goes down easy. Like, it's just like, Oh yeah, this, this just goes, 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 goes. And you're just like, fuck yeah, this all like, yeah, keep going. You're just like excited. I remember, I remember one interview that they had back during civil war where they said they went so far out of their way, the Russo brothers. Yeah. um, They went so far out of their way to honest trailers, proof (laughs) their films and their scripts ahead of time. And like, uh, it's, 
not on his trailers, right? It's, it can't be seen any more than in uh, in this movie, Endgame. With all the weight and baggage it has, I feel like that's kind of what you're trying to say, Derek. It's just right. like, it just somehow makes sense. And it's not falling apart at the seams of all its like fallacies. And that's, right. that is just such a feat to accomplish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And everyone like, God, this is this. I mean, of course, for me, that this is like the hardest I cried in the movies this year. And it was just like the scent, like just the way these movies exist nowadays, it's hard to put finality to them because it's like, it's just such a easy, like well for a studio to go to, especially Disney and especially their biggest money makers. It's like, how do you, you're going to end like Robert Downey Jr.'s like storyline on here. Like, I honestly didn't think they were going to. And the fact that they brought like a really like for me, a very, very, very satisfying and emotionally satisfying ending to that character. It was like it could not. I thought that was like as perfect as an ending that they could have given to a character. And to, and the fact that they had to like handle like wrapping up that like 10 year arc is just nuts. It's insane. I couldn't believe when when like the ending happened, I was still just in disbelief of what was happening. <laughs> not just that, like, like not that the concept was too hard to grasp. I just couldn't believe that they pulled it off. Could not believe it all. Mm-hmm. I did not going into it as much like like as much as I respect the Russos, like I did not think that this movie could have been as good as it was. And so that's that's a big reason why it's so far up there. It's like I don't I still it's just shocking that it's so good. But so is yeah. that number 3 and number 2? Yeah. Respectively. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, final one picks for everybody. And it, I know some of it's obvious, but not all of it's obvious. Maybe all of it's obvious, mm. but we'll see. Mm. Brandon? What does that mean, Nick? I just, I, I don't know. I, haven't, I, I would need to double check my notes. I don't know. Mm. Brandon, what's your number one? Actually, Crunch some numbers. Oh, yeah, I know what his number one is. <laughs> all right. So my number one for the year 2019 is Uncut Gems. What's that? No, nobody else. (laughs) Uh, This is the Softy Brothers uh, new film. And it blew me the fuck away. I think this was one one of the movies where I walked out of the theater just like feeling like I just witnessed like a perfect movie from beginning to end. Um, and the intensity and the pace and entertainment, like not a second was wasted, not a second I was bored. Um, it was so thrilling. My palms were sweaty. Um, and just, they crafted such a unique look at this film about the diamond district in New York city. And Adam Sandler's performance is like amazing. He's not getting enough credit for it. Um, congrats to him, but, uh, Derek, you haven't seen Uncut Gems, right? No. Okay. <laughs> you should do Sad. that. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we just talked about this movie, like, at length on our last episode. You, you said, yeah. um... Mm-hmm. It just... Yeah. You said Joker was the most intense movie of the year, and I was just like, oh, yeah. Uncut Gems, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for you to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is my number one movie of 2019. Mm. 
Yeah, this was my number five. Um, yeah, totally agree. This is uh, such a unique movie. Um, so interesting. It stands out like from any other movie I've seen, I think. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I was. Uh, I, I think I said in the last episode, I walked out of the movie and I had to like regain my bearings. Like I was, I was in like a haze walking out of the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Um, especially for, for, uh, two pretty new filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. I love this movie too. Uh, I had a number six on mine. It could have gone higher. It was, it was really great. It was nice. That was, it was a great movie. And, um, I don't know. I, I I just I feel like we talked about a bunch on the last episode, uh, so I don't really feel like I have to, that much more to add right now. But mm-hmm. I just love the pace of it. I loved hanging out with the characters. I loved um, how desperate he was. You know, I mean, uh, I remember on the last episode we kind of had a little bit of a tiff about how and whether or not he was a piece of shit. You know, and I I don't really. I still kind of feel like he's not like he's not really that terrible of a person he just was a very terribly desperate person and uh being in his world um was so stressful but um kind of fun too i don't know i kind of i kind of liked it um i i I kind of liked how stressful and weird it was um and i kind of think he did too i think that was kind of the point of the movie a little bit is that like he 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 was he was addicted to that rush, and um, yeah. But you know, uh, adrenaline junkie. I gotta, type I gotta point out just how like gritty and grimy and sleazy this movie is, just from the way it's shot and lit to what all the characters are doing. It's like such a unique feel all the way through. And this movie would not be as high as it was if it did not stick the landing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, those last like five minutes. Uh, my God, like it hit me so Absolutely, hard. Absolutely, dude. And um, was just the perfect way to end this mess. I've been watching basketball and I keep thinking about like the the final few minutes of the movie and like that tip off. Like I just keep thinking about like the tip off and then how he's like, oh man, we would have been screwed if he didn't get that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's so good. But um, yeah, dude, great number one. Uh, surprised. I'm honestly yeah. surprised it was that high. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's cool that it is, you know, good, good, surprising pick, man. Derek, uh, you're number one. Um, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> do it. My number one's cool. Parasite. That's my oh, number Jim one. That's my number Parasite. one. Yes. So, uh, yeah. it's kind of like, it sounds like I've been talking, I've been like trying to get people at work to watch it. And they're hearing that so often from people <laughs> that like it's becoming a thing or like they don't want to see it. Like it's like this movie is getting talking so about this Korean hyped. film so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's it literally might be getting overhyped, I guess, I'll, even though it is my number one movie. Like just people are really, people really liking it. It's just it. awesome. <clears throat> it's so cool that it's like doing that. That's yeah, I mean, the, just, yeah, the whole just sensation really awesome. of something getting overhyped is uh, is an interesting one. 
I kind of feel like that happens every year with a with a certain few movies. Like I kind of feel like Roma was kind of overhyped um, because it was such a small personal story, um, you know, very well done, but it was it was like a diary entry. But um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Parasite. Like no one, I haven't heard anyone be disappointed in it yet. Um, the closest I've heard yeah. um, is like my parents saw it, and all that I got from them was. Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> like that's that's all I got. Um, but yeah. it was, Which it, it was, was. Um, yeah. it was very intense. But it also had so much to say about so many things. Like it, it was so much of it was about social issues and the, the 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 wage gap between the rich and the poor, but also how the rich and the poor are all just regular people as well. Like like on a human level, people aren't that different. And I don't know. It it really. Um, it really had a lot to say, and it was it was intense, but it was also pretty funny, and it took you for a ride, you know. Like there was a lot of surprises with it. It was it was so good, and I don't know. I'm just I'm personally so happy that this movie is getting all this attention because it is, um, you know, it a movie like this being nominated for best picture and having having it as um, a front run, not just be nominated, but as a front runner for best picture, it is opening doors for people yeah. to see this movie. I mean, Bong Joon Ho said, I think when he won the Golden Globe for best director, he said, you know, if you can step above that one inch um, barrier of subtitles, then you're going to discover all sorts of great stories. And you know, that's a really special point. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really important point to be made. And you know, um, I'm glad that people like my parents saw saw this movie because it is is a totally unique experience and there aren't many movies like it and it challenges you and did your parents see it in yeah Marysville? dude it's playing well, right we it's so cool yeah it's playing this is a movie Marysville. parents are just hearing about <laughs> like what is how is that even happening i mean it's, that's crazy yeah, we, you know because we saw it in october i think i think it was october that we saw it, maybe early november yeah. and then yeah. and now it's playing um it's playing in marysville andrew saw it last weekend in stanwood you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, that little <laughs> sandwich. I saw it yesterday in Alderwood. Yeah, I mean, it's jeez. Parasite is playing in Stanwood. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> the yeah, lighting like... fixtures aren't even like on the walls in that building. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Somehow movies. they got this Korean yeah. film. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I can't think of another movie foreign uh, film that's had this kind of impact since um, since Crouching Tiger. Like yeah, I remember Crouching right. Tiger, Hidden Dragon was this huge movie and it came to Marysville and it was all over the place. But, um, yeah, since then I can't, I, I, I've got nothing, nothing comes even close in that respect. So that's the hype. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but oh like, yeah. yeah. What about the movie? But oh, yeah. The, that. just on its own, like it's just Bong Joon-ho is, he like really quietly became, I didn't realize that I loved every movie he's made that I've seen so far. I haven't even seen all those movies until like watching this and just looking back at his career. I'm like, Jesus, every single movie he makes, I think I have, I think they're all five stars. Every movie I've seen of his are all five stars so far. And this one just is like, I think kind of like we said with Quentin Tarantino, I think this is his most mature movie. It's not, um, you know, the other ones do have gimmicky, premises to some extent like you know snow piercers a sci-fi apocalypse movie the host is a monster movie uh oak just kind of its own 
weird thing. <laughs> the most weird thing. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, and then this is like fairly straightforward, you know, visually, and I guess conceptually, but it's just so. I think we've all have talked about a lot how good he is at bouncing tones. And I think that's one of the most unique things about this movie is just how clearly and cleverly it drifts between comedy, yeah, thriller, uh, you know, drama and even horror. It's like it's so seamless, but it's. I don't really know. Like I, it's beyond my realm of, you know, being able to understand how you do something like that so well. And he just does this so easily in this movie. And I feel like it's, I, I just bought it the other day and rewatched it and God, I noticed so much more, so many more intricacies in the film like I, we don't have time to talk about it right now, but there's just so many little things, and I'm like, look, this is, this is so well written and directed. It's just like I don't. It's it's a masterpiece. I don't really know what else to say. It's easily mm-hmm. my favorite movie of the year, and it's definitely my favorite of his movies. And uh, yeah, it deserves all the recognition it's getting. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a good marker of hype or, or something being overhyped is when you'll see it come out to generally pretty positive reviews and then or, or like um, audience reviews. And then as it like gets a wider audience, it'll they'll kind of start to drop significantly. Um, but this movie is, is held it. like right now it's at. Uh, I believe 93% in Rotten Tomatoes uh, audience score. Um, and it's pretty much held that it's its whole run. So, I mean, people but are getting guys, the word out there and people are loving this movie, it seems like. Someone said we saw it in October and it has not left the Alderwood Theater yet. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been playing there this whole time. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw it yesterday at Alderwood and... I didn't know it was has been there since October. It, like, it dropped down to like one show time, but now mm-hmm. now they're starting to give it more screenings wow. again. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, definitely impressive for a foreign film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Good so that movie. was uh, me and Derek's number one. That's Parasite. So, Sean, what is your number one? Mm-hmm. Yep, just one more. Um, what, what could it, it be? What could it be? It's 1917, my number one movie wow. of the nice. year. Nice. That's wild. Um, my number two, by yep. the way. My uh, number two yep. also. Yep. Nick's number, number 10. 10. I had a number 10. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> so, wow. so defeated. <laughs> so good, though. I, I don't know. I just um, had a number 10. Yeah, I I um, watched this movie and walking out of the theater, I was like, "Well, that's my number one. There it is." <laughs> wow, yep, it's all yep. over. That's fine. Um, and yeah, this uh, th- this movie is everything I go to the movies for. Um, super interesting filmmaking techniques, um, a great story with. Brilliantly conceived characters and um, a, a super emotional journey. Um, it's you know 
back in high school. That's what I wanted to do when I got in or when I got into the into filmmaking like back in ninth grade with with the lord of the rings and that's what i still love about filmmaking um this movie is uh yeah everything i love about movies um it it is and it's so much more than the i guess you could maybe call it a, a gimmick of what what the movie um, is doing with the, the single, what looks like a single shot throughout the entire movie. Um, it's so much more than that. And it's um, so brilliantly put together. Um, everything about it works and it is, it is just enough of everything um, to do what it's trying to do. Like it, it's just enough character um, and characterization to do what its end goal is. It's just enough um, story and plot to to do what it's trying to do. It's just enough like emotional impact to do what it's trying to do. And it just like everything comes together in such a brilliant way for me. Um, and yeah, I uh, I love the movie. Absolutely love yeah. the movie. So I I wrote a thing in my letterbox review about the last. 30 second climax of this movie that was incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And Andrew texted me cause I guess he just saw it and he asked me, this was really interesting cause I thought there was no question about it. He was like, what 32nd moment were you talking about? Brandon, there were so many. Mm. And, and I was like, well, which one do you think I was talking about? And then he mentioned uh, the singing moment mm, so um, with all the people. Yeah. And I think that just goes a long way to show oh. you just like, there's not even mm. like, yeah, there's just so many ridiculously powerful scenes mm-hmm. in this film that you can't even kind of agree on that. Um, and he kind of made me realize that when he sent me that text. Yeah. yeah, I had a similar conversation with Andrew. He called me up after he saw it and was like, what was your most powerful part? And I was <laughs> like, huh, great question. But I have like three parts, I think. And I, I listed them off like, you know, when they were wrong uh, for the this. first mm-hmm. time and when they were just I listed them off. And it was the rat. Like, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, and uh, even like just from the beginning, I, the I loved the how it throws you into this this world, this mess like them going first they get their mission and then they're walking through the trenches and and there's a dialogue and conversation there and then they get to the ladder and they go up and over the ladder and they are you know even though there's like hundreds of people right behind them as soon as they go over that ladder they are completely alone and from then on it's like yeah it's just this intense um, journey that, um, yeah, I mean, pays off in like four different brilliant climaxes and, um, yeah. Um, so many memories. And I was just like, and I was like, all right, now what's going to happen? We're just going to watch these guys walk for and talk for two hours. Mm -hmm. But then the camera pans by this dead horse and you're just like, oh fuck. And then they go into like a, a hole that had been blown up by a mortar Mm -hmm. and the guy puts his like his uh, mangled hand into a dead corpse and everyone in the theater gasps. And it's just like from then on nonstop, mm-hmm. um, just perfectly paced, like set pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- this like, like 
uh, what I was trying to describe with Parasite, I think I actually felt it more with this movie, which is like a lot of times you see movies and um, especially if you're not super impressed with them, you're like, God, you know, I would have done this. I would have done this. I could have made this better. Like this is one of those movies that when I walked out, I was just like, yeah, this is so far beyond. Like I could never even Brilliant. begin to like think up cool things they do in this movie and just like like just it's just so uh it's so cool to see people working at such a high level Mm -hmm. like and yeah like it just it makes everything just like every scene in the movie is just so uh exciting and just unique and uh not what you expected you know um I don't know. And I think the gimmick, I think what you were just describing, Sean, when they go up that ladder, like that, that's, that's the exact moment. And I think it's really key that they put it there that like you kind of buy into the gimmick Mm -hmm. because right there you feel it too, just like they do when you go over that. You're like, Oh, we're, we're in this alone. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're right there with them. And just these two characters and a camera. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, really incredible filmmaking. What a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There it is. That's the year. All right. Okay. Are you guys ready? Ooh, there's no crunch the numbers. Yeah, crunch them numbers. Crunching. Are there any ties? All right. It's done. Oh. Right. oh click off. At number click 10, uh, the last black man in San Francisco. Uh, with a total of 10 points on two lists. Um, number nine is The Lighthouse with 12 points on two lists. Number eight mm. is mm. Midsummer um, with 13 points on three lists. Mm-hmm. Midsummer beat Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, number seven is Jojo Rabbit with 14 points on two lists. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was number six uh, with 15 points, which was on three lists. Uh, mm-hmm. The Irishman um, was number five with 17 points on two lists. Two really mm-hmm. high lists. Um, and then number four was Avengers Endgame on two lists with 18 points. So barely beat we out. did it. We did it. <laughs> did it. Take that, Mark Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Oh, Avengers man. over Scorsese. <laughs> uh-uh. um, uh, yeah, an Ant-Man movie beat out a Scorsese movie. Uh, number three was Uncut Gems with uh, 23 points on three Ooh. lists. Number two was... Nice. 1917 with 32 points on all four lists and then awesome. Parasite at go. number wow. one with 35 points on all four lists okay. wow. I'm good with that yeah. it's one. a good list that is a Parasite's solid. the monthly movie dispatch Pretty film awesome. of the year yeah what what a great mm-hmm. such year a cliche movies. this was this was something yeah such a cliche <laughs> Uh, do we do we want to say our runners up real quick? List them off, or uh, um, yeah, I have a couple. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's all say yeah. our runners up. We'll just run through them, you know. Quick. We can Maybe pull them fun. up. Yeah, yeah. Sure. 
Well. My number 11 was The Irishman. Uh, number 12 was okay. Under the Silver Lake. Number 13 was Knives Out. And 14 was Toy Story 4. Nice. Um, I'll do cool. a couple of cool. specific shout outs. Uh, I want to say I Lost My Body. Um, to me, best animated film of the year. Oh, yeah. That was number 11. And then another one that four stars was Honeyland, mm. which to me was the best documentary of the year. I don't think any of us brought up a documentary. Yeah, no. um, I really hope that wins at the Oscars. It's so. an incredible film. Nice. Cool. Uh, what about um, you, Sean? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I guess mine are um, uh, at number 11, The Farewell. And number 12 is Little Women, um, which no one had on their... Oh, nice. No one had Little Women yeah. on their list, uh, which is so though. sad. Yeah, and no one had... I, so I haven't seen Little Women, but I do think that we need to say that it's one of those things where we've got this podcast and it's got mm-hmm. four dudes on it. Yeah. I can't help but think that if we <laughs> yeah. had maybe different representation, then maybe Little Women would have made more of our lists. Again, I'm sorry I haven't seen yeah. it yet, and I think there's someone else who hasn't seen it, but... You know, I mean, it's, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's really part of it. It sounds like it was incredible. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I had a few that I just kind of wanted to like list off that no one had, had mentioned yet. Um, like I said, oh, I had number yeah. ele- I had the lighthouse mm-hmm. number eleven, but uh, the movie uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid I watched for Horror Movie Month, and that's my number twelve. Uh, People are Falcon. I loved that movie. Um, you know, I also had Toy Story four and Happy Death Day to You was one of my favorites, and another one, uh, One Cut of the Dead. Um, was another one I watched for Horror Movie Month, but that was another one of my favorites for the year. So just wanted to mention those as honorable mentions. Mm. A few others that we had already talked about, but I mean, it was just such a good year for movies, though. Um, I just wanted to go over some plugs that we have coming up for other episodes. Um, we're going to do a top 10 of uh, the decade because we love doing these top 10 lists. This is like our favorite kind of uh, episode to do. So we're going to do the uh, do the decade list, which will turn out really fun. I think we're going to do that in February. Um, we're also doing like an Oscar contest off off air. We're all going to submit our picks for which movies are going to win uh, win the rewards, and whoever gets the most correct will make everyone mm-hmm. watch that movie, and then we'll talk about the movie on the podcast. So that'll be next month that we do that. But yeah. Uh, those are all uh, things that we have coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, gonna sign off. Bye. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.